Hey, welcome to PT Stacks Podcast. This is Casey, your host. And if you're tuning in for the very first time, first of all, welcome. But what you need to know is that this podcast is meant for physical therapists and physical therapist students who are looking to grow your fundamentals in bite-sized segments of time so that you have time to live the other aspects of your life that are important to you, but you can still you know, give back to your profession and grow yourself and be able to serve your community in a way that, um, you know, we don't always feel like we have time to do or we can get overwhelmed trying to do. So just start small, work your way up, right? But today we're going to be covering one of the treatment groups for neck pain, specifically neck pain with radiating pain. Now, in this episode, we're going to cover more of what diagnoses are associated with this and also what you would look at in a clinical exam to see, hey, do I think it's this diagnosis or not? And a good cluster at the end of just specificity to look for when you are trying to actually come to this diagnosis. So the diagnoses that we'll see this commonly with are maybe spondylosis with radiculopathy or cervical dis- disorder with radiculopathy, which a radiculopathy is an injury to the nerve root, right? So you'll see this on a lot of patients who have upper extremity symptoms that are usually radicular or referred. Um, they might have decreased cervical rotation, signs of nerve root compression, which would make sense since it's an injury to the nerve root, right? Um, and ideally, we are able to reduce their upper extremity symptoms with our initial exam and intervention procedures. So so things that we'll look at in a clinical exam are things like neurological testing, the range of motion, segmental motion, obviously assessing for if we think the nerve root is compressed or not. So for our neurological testing, remember that there's two types of um, symptom groupings that we'll see. We'll see upper motor neuron signs and lower motor neuron signs. So if we think that someone might have a cervical radiculopathy or a peripheral neuropathy, they're, pro- they're going to have lower motor neuron signs associated with them, which would be hyporeflexia or absent deep tendon reflexes, decreased dermatomal sensation, potentially and or muscle weakness in a myotomal pattern. So definitely important for you to still remember your anatomy, remember the brachial plexus, remember what myotomes innervate specific muscles so that you can tease out between nerve root and peripheral nerves, right? But on the flip side of that, you can see upper motor neuron signs that would be associated with like a cervical myelopathy or cord compression, which just doesn't sound good, right? Neither of them sound good. But remember that as you're screening out for this, upper motor neuron signs would be hyperreflexia of upper and or lower extremities. They might have more diffuse sensory changes that don't follow really as much of a dermatomal pattern. And they would be positive for Clonus, Hoffman, and or Babinski, probably going to have some clumsy gait and general weakness below the level of compression. So that would be what we were looking for for signs of nerve root compression, right? Now, in terms of active range of motion, I mentioned that patients with a radiculopathy typically have decreased rotation towards the involved side. Specifically, we're looking for cervical rotation less than 60 degrees towards their involved side. You can assess their segmental motion, but a lot of times, depending on how acute this is, these patients, like the 
you're not really going to get a great assessment on what their infield is, depending on if they have a bunch of muscle guarding or if you just can't even really apply any pressure to see what their true infield is. So keep that in mind. Um, but you'll also want to look into the nerves for upper limb tension testing. So specifically, remember the three peripheral nerves in the arm that we'll see are the, your median, radial, and ulnar nerve. And as you're testing through that, you're looking for a positive test if it reproduces their symptoms, for one. If there are side-to-side -side differences greater than 10 degrees of range of motion for the same sensitizing joint, meaning like, hey, are there symptoms on the right side? Well, is this different than how their left side moves? Things like that. And then also, can you change it with a distal component? Because remember, there are different tissues that can cause symptoms in that area. If you're changing a distal component, it helps you to eliminate ruling out different tissues like muscle or joint, things like that, that could be reproducing pain. So a lot of times you'll see like neck movement as a way to change a distal component. Now, if these tests are negative, meaning the upper limb tension testing, it's actually a pretty great screen to rule out a, a radiculopathy. So just keep that in mind. But research has given us this great cluster by Wiener of uh, different specific symptoms that are associated with the radiculopathy. So there's four that are mentioned. Number one is cervical rotation less than 60 degrees to the involved side. Number two, a positive, a positive median upper limb tension test. Three is positive for distraction, meaning if their arm symptoms are reduced when you add cervical distraction, yay, that's a good thing. And four, a positive spurling where you extend their neck, side bend, and rotate towards the involved side and you're able to reproduce their arm symptoms. So if we have a certain number of these four that are positive, there have been certain values of specificity associated with them. If all four are positive, we have a specificity of 99% that this is a cervical radicopathy, which is pretty good. If three are positive, it only drops down the specificity to 94%. But if two are positive, our specificity is 56%. So some a really great tool to just help you to feel good about your differential diagnosis, because this is something that a lot of clinicians struggle with, um, just being able to utilize what work has already been done for you. And, and let's say, okay, this patient, cervical radiculopathy, it's very obvious. Now what? Well, you're just treating the things that are causing the pain. Offload the area, help them gain back their cervical rotation, work on centralizing the nerve. Typically, these patients have the best success if through physical therapy if their age is less than 54 years old. If their dominant arm is not affected and their symptoms are not worse when looking down. They also respond pretty well to a multimodal treatment with manual traction, deep neck flexor strengthening for at least 50% of their visits and moving forward. Granted, every patient is different and every therapist is different too. So you need to use your clinical judgment on deciding what is best for that patient. Um, remember evidence-based practice, right? So 
with that, that is cervical radiculopathy in the neck pain with radiating pain group. So if you have any questions, and granted, this is a super oversimplified look at this. We are going to expand more on these different topics in the future. But what you should take away from this are four home run signs of a radiculopathy that you would look for to say, hey, this person has this. And how good do I feel about saying that they have this? So if you have any questions, feel free to reach out at ptsnackspodcast at gmail.com or you can find me on Instagram at pt underscore snacks. If you'd like to support the show, there's a link below to uh, buy me a coffee and that just really helps me to be able to continue to put out free content. Thank you.